If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. The numbers told the story they always do. This is a numbers game with Gil Alexander on VSEN. It's one of those idiots who believe in analytics. Good Monday morning to you. It is a numbers game at Visa, the Sports Betting Network, Visa.com, the Visa app, Fubo, Sling, Game Plus, iHeartRadio, all proudly brought to you by the good folks over at BetMGM Nevada. It's Gil Alexander, Jeff Parlay. Here as well, producer number five and eight of a numbers game. Of course, uh, Jeff Parles, host of Bet Center on the weekends here at Vison as well. Jeffrey, good morning to you, sir. How many uh, orange spheres did you see? Uh, did you see go through orange cylinders yesterday? My goodness, cylinders. I don't know if that's right. Why, why did they change the color to basketball? By the way, very orange, very orange, and apparently slickery. When we were kids, if the ball was orange, it was very grippy. But apparently, this one is slippery. Anyway, what I mean. Let's just say this off the top. First of all, we're going to talk to Greg Peterson on College Hoops today. We're going to talk to Wes Reynolds on it. Todd Wishnev will be by to talk in-game betting strategies, which, let's be honest, boys and girls, my goodness, it's the only way to bet these things. Because if you're betting this ATS preflop, God bless you. But, Jeff, this tournament never, never disappoints. It just always delivers. Now, that doesn't mean... That doesn't mean it necessarily has to be the highest level of basketball at all times. And that doesn't necessarily mean it it doesn't have warts. Well, let's talk about the warts first, and we'll get to all the good stuff the rest of the show. Because you and I texted last night, Jeff, and and what I said to you was, or what I texted you was, all right, what's the very first thing we have to talk about? And your response was, do you remember what your response was? You're like, Iga Sviatek. I'm like, yes, but non-Iga division. We could do I, I was just playing to the crowd of you there. <laughs> you were playing to playing the crowd to of one. I like when you play to the crowd of one. We'll get to that. We'll also have to get to Deshaun Watson, who I had to ask you before the show today. I'm like, what day did that happen? I, I had to quadruple check it. It did happen Friday. Friday it happened. Yeah. So I guess we'll, we'll talk about that because I have a perhaps a different take on that than, than some do. But the very first thing I was like, because we're watching this Arizona TC. Everybody's watching this Arizona TCU game last night. And you're watching it, you're like, it's 12, we're, we're obviously in the Pacific time zone, but it's 12.45 Eastern on Monday morning, 12.45 a.m. And you think about the two standalone games that happen Sunday morning, and I'm just like, this CBS-driven contract, because I guess that's the culprit you're saying, you know more about these things than I do, that seems to be the culprit, right? Where they, they're like, we got to get our games in the morning, if you're taking the magic of the tournament, and it has always been the case, even since we were kids, was the staggered starts 
and the fantastic finishes. Now we go to the West region. Now we go to the East region for the conclusion of blah, 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 and blah, blah, blah. You lose that magic if you do two standalone games in the morning on Sunday. And then half the country doesn't see what might have been the best game of the tournament thus far. Maybe, maybe. It's in the conversation. TCU and Arizona. It's hard to say that anything was better than UNC and Baylor. But that was the real travesty, I think. The biggest travesty of the first four days was, was just the TV schedule of it. The other thing, of course, being the officiating which we had to keep a running list all week, all weekend of games. It was like, okay, where did the officials inject themselves or not inject themselves in a way that affected the outcomes of these games? Colin Coward had a great tweet about it. He's like, like, anyone who complains about NBA officiating, meet college basketball officiating. I'm paraphrasing, but he said something like that. And again, we're just getting the warts out of the way first, because generally when you throw these two things aside, it's just glorious. But let's just start. North Carolina, Baylor. As much as, as, as much as North Carolina was getting hosed from the manic ejection on, and what was it, a 38-13 to 13 run for Baylor down the stretch of that game to force overtime? I believe that's what the number was. To make up the 25-point deficit, as much as, as much as Carolina seemed to be getting hosed on every 50-50 play, oh, no, that's a foul on Carolina. Oh, no, that ball's off of Baylor. I mean, off of Carolina. There was the play in overtime where Carolina was up one. It, it was completely poked off of Carolina. Baylor should have had the basketball. Instead, Carolina maintains possession because, what, it was at 201. You couldn't review it. And so Carolina kept the basketball, and the rest is history there. So that was the game. Iowa-Richmond, if you go all the way back to Thursday, I know that seems like it was five weeks ago, but the non Foul called on Chris Murray on his three that could have tied the game. We don't know if it would have, but he, he got hacked. Nobody called it. And then I'd argue, and Jeb, this is where it's sort of more subjective, but Illinois and Chattanooga, and again, full disclosure, I had Chattanooga and Survivor, sure felt like the referees were pushing Illinois along in that game. Would you agree? Disagree? Let's put it this way. It didn't... <clears throat> They didn't hurt Illinois' prospects. Not at all. Not at all. Memphis-Gonzaga, Memphis was up 10. Now, a lot of people say, oh, my God, Gonzaga was so great in the second half. Yeah, I mean, come on. Really? You watch that second half? There's a, there was a bunch of plays in there where I'm like, really? We're not calling that? Even though that one I still think we, Ben and I were on during that show on, uh, on Saturday, or during that game on Saturday night. I really think that one more, even though the refs obviously were not particularly good, I think that had more to do with Penny Hardaway more than the refs. Yeah, it's tough when your bigs are in foul trouble, though, in that game. It really is. People love killing Penny, though. Notre Dame, Texas Tech. So this game was in San Diego yesterday. So the crowd is super pro-Texas Tech. They were getting everything in that game. I, I was not involved in that game. But it's like, oh, my God, really? Like I get it. That you, it's this Texas Tech crowd. They're so influenced by the crowd. Purdue, Texas. I get it. Purdue's bigs are better than Texas's bigs. Purdue outshot Texas at the free throw line in attempts. You pointed this out, Jeff. 46 to 12. I mean, come on. 46 to 12. And then 
and I'm going to give uh, let me give my man Jeff Parles all credit for this because I don't know who else has mentioned this, but the Arizona TCU ending last night. First of all, what a shot by Matherin at the end to tie that up. Just cold-blooded to tie it up and force overtime. But remember the last sequence right, right after that. TCU has the ball. The Arizona guy clearly, Arizona clearly body checks. No call. And Arizona ends up with a basketball with mere seconds left. And the whole thing is, could they get to the basket before the clock went to zero? And as replay showed, all the red lights behind the basket and the 0.0 did go off before Arizona was able to dunk the basketball. But Jeff, you pointed out something that I heard nobody else mention. When the ball changed possession there on the body check, watch the replay of this. The clock stops for like 0.3 or 0.4 seconds for no reason whatsoever. And if, and if Arizona does manage to dunk that two-tenths of a second before they did, no one's going back and reviewing that. It was unbelievable how many little things like that in college basketball happen. Well, the best part of that was uh, uh, was that the people at the scores table assumed there would be a call. Right. That's why it stopped. That's right. That it was the, either going to be like, a foul or a backcourt. Clearly, there was a there should have been a call. There should have been something at least. But, but that San Diego uh, pod yesterday, the crowds were so pro Texas Tech and so pro Arizona. We had people there watching who who corroborated that. That it's like the refs are completely influenced by that. And there's a blue blood influence over the small. Like it's that that's the frustrating thing about this sport, for sure. But now that we've gotten the warts aside, is this not the greatest thing ever? <laughs> is this not is it year after year? Is it not the greatest thing ever? And by the way, in Vegas. Circa was the hub, right? Circa was just packed to the gills, and not just in the main spots, but also in sort of the, the ancillary places to watch the game. But even if you're in the middle of the strip, right, at the Aria, that UNC-Baylor finish, so the sports book spills out, and then as the, as the final moments of that, regular, uh, that regu- uh, regulation was happening, then there was like the set of TVs at the bar outside of the sports book, massive throng of people watching. You walk 30 feet more down. I don't know if it's 30 feet. That's bad. 30 yards. Bad measurement on my part. 30 yards down. Another, you know, another massive group of TVs. Another throng of people. Men, women, no one cared about anything else. It's just the Super Bowl looks like your old man's event compared to this. And now that the pandemic is through and it's back to this, I think it's, in, I think it's bigger, fuller steam than ever before. Just a glorious weekend. The weather cooperated. Next week's good, too, but not quite as good. But that was just awesome. And now, by the way, Survivor, to give you my whole, my, the, the thing that I love the most, which I was talking about, the betting vehicle of Survivor. Jeff, my quickest exit ever. I was out in three days. Do you know, we have a, we have a quirk in our Survivor pool that you can do rebuys. So you start out with a certain amount of entries, and you're allowed one mulligan, essentially, where you get to rebuy. You, don't, you obviously don't get points for that day, the day you lose the first time, quote-unquote, before the rebuy, but you're allowed to rebuy. With rebuys, accounting for rebuys now even after yesterday, because, by the way, after, the sweets, after this now, you're no longer allowed to rebuy. You can only rebuy during the first weekend. 
But even accounting for all the rebuys that happened and all the rebuys that are about to before the Sweet 16 games happen where it ends. Do you know how what the percentage of entries left after just the first weekend is? Got to be sub-15%. It, it, because of the rebuys, goes to 17%. That's it. Complete carnage. God bless every, anybody who's still alive in it. And by the way, aggregate seating rewarded, too, so you're incentivized, obviously, to take, uh, to take upsets. But, man, is this not the greatest thing ever. We'll get to all the ATS angles, Jeff's thoughts, Greg Peterson's thoughts, Wes Reynolds' thoughts. Eight games, and some of, some of these will, survive, will surprise you on the spreads, too. Probably a lot shorter than you think they would be. The market ain't so dumb after all, it appears. We'll do all that next, right here on the Numbers Game at Visa, the Sports Betting Network. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. A numbers game with Gil Alexander on VSIN, the sports betting network. Numbers game proudly brought to you by BetMGM Nevada. BetMGM, the king of sports books. Don't forget to visit BetMGM.com and download the BetMGM app. No weekend is that more pertinent than it is this weekend right here on the show uh, and here in Vegas with all of the fact, all of the lines that were there during these games, prior to games, you got to get the app. Again, visit BetMGM.com and download the BetMGM app. Won't take you but a few seconds to sign, a few minutes to sign up, just a few seconds to download the app, and then you'll be ready to bet in the state of Nevada. It's Gil Alexander. Jeff Parlay is here as well. Let's bring him in, ladies and gentlemen, from, uh, well, all shows here on VEASAN, but primarily he's the co-host of Long Shots uh, on VEASAN, and he's the glue that holds the whole operation together. Ladies and gentlemen, the dynamo that is Wes Reynolds. How you doing, Wes? Good morning, Gil. How are you? I'm doing very well. Uh, doing very well at West Reynolds one, by the way, the number one for West. Uh, before we get to college basketball, let me just get a couple things out of the way. One, golf. How did that work out for you this weekend at Valspar? 
Uh, had a top five with Matt Fitzpatrick and another guy in the top seven with Adam Hadwin. Adam Hadwin really couldn't make anything on Sunday. So uh, Sam Burns back-to-back uh, -back here at the Valspar Championship. You don't see back-to-back -back consecutive year wins in an event very often, even though it's happened twice here at the Valspar over the last several years. Sam Burns, of course, this year and now last year, and then Paul Casey a couple years prior. But you're going to see the WGC match play draw. I believe it's coming out in about two hours from now. And some of these guys are withdrawing. Sam Burns, a late withdrawal this morning because playing the match play, you're guaranteed to at least play three matches in pool play before they all of a sudden get to the bracketing. You know, it's like their version of March Madness and golf. So then once you play the three pool play matches, four, uh, 16 pods of four players, then they go to the round of 16, and then it's a knockout until they have an eventual winner down in Austin, Texas this weekend. So uh, there are a few players at the top withdrawing because it is so close to the Masters. Do you dislike handicapping that kind of tournament? Do you Do you sort of ratchet down your bets? Well, yeah, a little bit. I mean, from a future standpoint, obviously, because, you know, you rarely get a number one seed win this tournament. It's only happened one time when it was Dustin Johnson a few years ago. So, you know, you're more matchup oriented, I think, maybe necessarily than futures oriented. So matchups and props, probably the best way to attack this tournament. Once you get the draw here in a couple hours and then the bookmakers set the prices in terms of advancing out of the group stage or out of the pod stage, whatever you want to call it, that's probably the best way to bet this tournament rather than just picking a bunch of outrights. Last thing before we get back to college basketball, UFC. We're in this run where it's like a bunch of favorites, like the chalk is just coming through at a ridiculous rate. Um, anything to that or just random in your opinion? Well, I think it was the way it was booked, and, and that's often what I talk about with, with UFC. One of the things when you're handicapping a fight and you're going through some of the fight metrics or a fighter's history, who a fighter's beat, who a fighter's lost to, one of the things you want to do, I think, is, okay, why is this fight taking place? Is there a particular reason, you know? Are you, I guess, you know, going all pro wrestling here, are you booking a certain outcome? Are you trying to predetermine a certain outcome where you want a certain fighter to win? And I think you saw that in spades this weekend with this card over in England because a lot of the U.K. fighters won. And you've seen the UFC do that in the past when they go internationally, when they go to Brazil, and then it's to run of like all the Brazilian fighters winning. And you saw that this weekend with the UK because obviously you want to tap into different markets around the world, so you want local heroes. You want guys that you can make stars at the bare minimum over in that particular country or that particular part of the world, and then maybe they break through and become like global stars like a McGregor did several years ago. Let's go to college basketball. Let's go to the adjusted odds to win the title at this point. And I'm curious for someone who uh, either has futures currently, but more, more for folks who don't, who are thinking, okay, now that's down to 16, now it's a little more manageable. Maybe I want to jump in here. What would you say, the, the way that the brackets uh, shake out right now, um, who are you looking at as a team that you might favor a bet on now to win it all? Well, from preseason, I've only got an in season. I've only got two alive. I've got Purdue still standing, and I've got Texas Tech still standing at better numbers. If you look at the draw, and we thought this when the draw immediately came out the previous Sunday, Kansas has the easiest draw. 
because you're getting a Providence team in the Sweet 16 that, and look, I credit Ed Cooley and Providence because they're kind of embracing this thing because they know it's out there how lucky they've been. They're the number one luck team in Ken Palm, and they're kind of embracing it and running with it and rolling with it, and I admire them for doing that. I think that's the right way to play it, but that's what you're getting with Kansas. Bottom line is a team that has had a lot of breaks and has had a lot of luck on their side this year. You get by them, you're getting either a 10 or an 11 seed to go to the Final Four. Iowa State, not projected to be there. That team started 12-0 and on the season and went 7-12 and to finish the season. I don't know if anybody really saw Iowa State's run coming, even though they got a pretty good draw having to get LSU, who had just fired their coach right before Selection Sunday, and then the second-round play in Wisconsin, who's had their its fair share of luck and then also had a player go down yesterday, and they couldn't run any offense at all, hardly without him. So you've got an 11-10 matchup in the bottom of the Midwest. So I think Kansas really has the easiest draw. Gonzaga and Arizona, of course, still standing, and they were 1-2 in terms of overall seeds in the tournament. So, you know, kind of if I'm, I'm looking around, Gil, uh, Purdue now, probably not a lot of value to make it out of the East region, even though it is very much cleared for them having to face a 15 seed and then potentially getting either North Carolina or UCLA. By the way, Purdue beat North Carolina pretty handily back in November. Yeah, we're showing, by the way, we also showed the uh, the odds to make the Final Four for those who are not watching this. Gonzaga out of the West to, to uh, win their region now. In other words, to win two games, minus 165. South region, Arizona, the short shot at plus 125. But with Houston and Villanova very close behind at both plus 225 and plus 230, respectively. East region, you did allude to Purdue's at minus 125. UCLA, 2-1. to one, Carolina, 4-1. to one. St. Peter's at 30-1, to one, one of these things not like the other. And then Midwest region, it is Kansas at minus 175, with Miami being the next closest at 5-1. to one. Is there a bet there, Kansas minus 175, or just you don't like that number? I don't like the number. It would be probably the only bet I would make, though. I just think that everything's kind of cleared for Kansas right now. But I don't want to say, okay, automatically gravitate toward the chalk. Now, maybe water finds its level when you look at all these regions individually. But other than, of course, Baylor obviously being defeated by North Carolina, you look at all these one seeds remaining, Gonzaga, Arizona, and Kansas. All of them have had test skill. It's not like they are dominating, really. Gonzaga, look, they easily could have been knocked out on Saturday against Memphis. Arizona, they were life and death against TCU last night. And actually, maybe you could make an argument should be out of the tournament because if you watch the end of that game in regulation where they have a trap of the TCU guard oh. and there's a foul at midcourt and they didn't call it. They didn't call a foul. They didn't call a backcourt violation. So Arizona gets a steal. And if the guy honestly just lays it in instead of dunks it, TCU's out anyway, and they don't even get a chance in overtime. So you've seen Arizona kind of have to fight through some adversity. Kansas on Saturday, they couldn't get away from Creighton. Creighton's down to six guys, essentially. That's all they played is six guys, and Kansas couldn't blow them out. And that was on during a show I was doing on Beeson, and I was like, 
if they lose here, this is the worst NCAA tournament loss in the history of Bill Self's career at Kansas. And look, Kansas has been knocked off by a couple double-digit seeds in the first round and had early exits, but I thought that would have been the worst loss, and they were life and death to get by Creighton on Saturday. Well, we said a couple things last segment. One, the body check, the TCU uh, Arizona body check at the end, it was such a foul that the clock operator stopped the clock for .3 seconds yes. because it had to be. It had to have been a foul, right? Uh, but but generally speaking, we all talked about this before the tournament started, that this is a year where more teams have a legit shot at winning the title than any other year we can remember. Parity, largely because of the transfer portal, because of one-and-dones, that sort of thing. And the tournament, let's face it, is kind of playing out that way, right? It makes sense why it's played out that way. Real quick before the break, is then I want to get your ATS thoughts on the other side. But if, if St. Peter's is clearly the most surprising team to make it this far, Take them aside. Who's the uh, who's the most surprising team besides them? You know, Gil, I would probably say the bottom of that Midwest region, Iowa State and Miami. Iowa State under 500 in the Big 12, but they had really good wins in the non-conference, so that carried them forward. And then also Miami, because the ACC, you know, people say, oh, how about the ACC? They got three teams in the Sweet 16. This was the worst ACC that I had seen in many years in the regular season. Regular season still very much matters, and I did not expect Miami to be here, but look, credit Shell, Jim Laranega, he's done it before when you don't expect it. A little team called George Mason mm-hmm. making the Final Four all those years ago. So really that bottom matchup in the Midwest region, Iowa State, Miami, very surprised they're still left. Yeah, great to see a couple great coaches get there again. Laranega, you bring up Kelvin Sampson. Uh, we'll get Wes's thoughts, ATS, on these eight Sweet 16 games. Some pretty interesting numbers. We'll get to that on the other side. It's a numbers game at Visa, the Sports Betting Network. A numbers game with Gil Alexander on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. Get everything you need to bet the madness this year with 24 7 streaming daily best bet emails and our tournament betting guide, including advice, data, and strategy for only $19. Whether you're filling out a bracket or betting against the spread, our team's here to get you ready for every game and every round of the tournament. Get analysis from our experts, including Wes Reynolds, Greg Hoops-Peterson, Matt Humans, Jonathan Von Tobel, and Tim Murray. They got insights on every key team, conference, and player to watch from the favorites to the potential Cinderella's. Sign up today to get the betting guide, plus full access to VEASAN through the end of the tournament April 5th for only $19 at VEASAN.com slash madness. And Jeff Parlay, they should have included you in that promo right there, too. And in that betting guide. Now you say I something. don't know. Apparently, I don't know anything anymore. So. <laughs> you and Wes Reynolds, who's with us, you and Wes Reynolds were fabulous on the Megapod, which I would put up against any pre-tournament uh, uh, sort of piece that anybody did. That was tremendous on everybody's part. We get tweets at beating the book. Um, these are overrun with Igas Fiatek uh, tweets. Thank you, everybody, for the uh, kind tweets. Hope everybody cashed alongside as Iga when won the uh, lady side of Indian Wells, tennis's de facto fifth major with her straight set win over Maria Sakari yesterday. Uh, by the way, the Taylor Fritz Rafa Nadal match was just incredible. Taylor Fritz winning his first uh, 1,000. Uh, this is from Sean Todd. Over the last few years, uh, nobody has pumped up Sviatek more than you, Gil. Now look at her. World number two. Well done, my man. Yeah, man. World number two. Can't believe it. I can believe it because I knew this would happen. But, man, it is here. Uh, this is uh, – so i got to sift through all the egos. Let's get to – this is from – do-do-do-do-do. This uh, tweet, all these at Beating the Book, by the way. Oh, this is from David George. 
uh, thank you guys. The uh, Beating the Book podcast pays again with the mention of Taylor Fritz. Got him at 80 to 1. Gil, I know you were on the other side of that one, but thanks for the, and, and thanks for the ego cash, by the way, but appreciate the uh, pod and your work. All shout out to Dan Weston. All shout out to Drew Densick. We had an Indian Wells podcast, uh, gave out Ega. We talked about Taylor Fritz. And by the way, I couldn't care less. I'd much rather the 80 to 1. I know you're supposed to only root for your bets, but if I was going to lose a bet, let me lose the Rafa one, which is a fraction of the Eagle one, and let you win your 80 to 1. Congratulations to you. Uh, that is phenomenal. Uh, will there be a Miami Open podcast? This is from the real Joby. Uh, there will not be. We will not do a we will not do a, a Miami Open podcast at beating the book, but we will have Drew Dinsick on the show uh, tomorrow to talk about the Miami Open, which begins on the ladies' side tomorrow, on the men's side later this week. Dan Bespris, holy blank, I won't use the word. The Celtics and Sixers uh, are are tied, though Boston is one down in the loss column. Boston is just down in percentage points, not dead yet. Remember, Dan Bespris came on the show, gave out Boston to win the Atlantic at twenty five to one. That is looking awfully good right about now. The Celtics, nobody playing better than the Boston Celtics. And we'll talk a whole bunch of basketball, uh, NBA tomorrow as well. Uh, this is from, let's see, again, this is from, just get a couple more of these because these are leading to a West thing here. Uh, Raymond Edmond, I hope you rethought your decision on Houston and their run. Go Cougars, love the show, man. Hey, man, I love Houston. I love Houston. I think you're talking about the championship formula, which, by the way, we have to update, Jeff, a little later on the show. I love Houston, just wish they had their two guys, Sasser especially, because it's hard to think of them as a championship contender at this point without those two guys. But, man, if they did. Um, this is also Jack in a Prius 2.0. He said, yeah, the clock stopped on that last sequence in the Zona game, uh, you know, because even the clock operator knew that play was either a foul or backcourt. Hashtag unreal. Mike, uh, Mike Zills, Duke 90. Yeah, that, you're right. Texas Tech travels. Absolutely. Crowd, he went to a game, crowd was still almost 50-50. One year, expected 70% of the arena for the opponent. It was 50-50. Texas Tech is a huge traveling team. John Balducci, the survivor pool that I'm in, had 50 competitors. It's over. And then this is from Boxing uh, SA Business. What a great point Wes made regarding matchmaking in UFC. Uh, it's not important in all combat sports in terms of making the, que- uh, making the question of why fights are being made. Sometimes matchmaking is done to try to build fighters who are possible monetary draws for sure. Wes Reynolds joins us once again. Wes, let's start on uh, let's start on Thursday. Four games. Arkansas Gonzaga is the one that tips things off at 409 Pacific, 709 Eastern. Sweet 16 game in the western region between the one-seeded Zags and the fourth-seeded Razorbacks. Uh, Gonzaga favored by what is this? Uh, is that eight and a half in this game? Is that what I'm seeing on this one? Yeah, it's eight and a half, and uh, you know I haven't bet these games yet. I kind of want to wait for the uh, market to marinate, if you will, and kind of see what's going to be coming out over the next day or two, and then I'll start betting these. But at eight and a half, I would certainly lean to Arkansas because this is not a team with a lot of size, and obviously Gonzaga, the size has mattered with a lot of these teams when you've got, of course, Jet Holmgren down there, who's going to be a lottery pick, and Drew Timmy uh, down low can score at the rim so Arkansas 
doesn't really have the size to combat them, but they do have the speed and the athleticism and the quickness. And a relatively similar team to a team that knocked off Gonzaga earlier this year, that being Alabama, and also to Memphis, even though Memphis does have Jalen Duran, who's going to be a lottery pick. So Memphis has a little bit of size, but I would lean a little bit with the Arkansas Razorbacks at eight and a half. This is not a greenhorn. This is a team that has been to the Sweet 16 under Eric Musselman. So not surprised that they're necessarily here. And when we look at the macro sense, Gil, with the, the 16 teams, and we've seen, oh, it's been the madness. We've got 13 of the 16 that are from the Power Six conferences, including the Big East and the Power Six. And then of the other three, one of those teams is Gonzaga. The other team is Houston. Both of those teams were in the final four last year. And then, of course, St. Peter's being the outlier. So in a lot of ways, even though you don't have all one, two, three, four here in these regional semifinals, the bracket is relatively held to form, at least in terms of like the power schools. But in this West regional semifinal, I would lean Arkansas at eight and a half. Arkansas, Gonzaga, uh, Jeff, write it down. West says size matters in that game. Size matters. Uh, anything else on Thursday? Michigan Villanova with the Wildcats favored by four and a half. That's in the South region. Uh, back to the West, Texas Tech and Duke. Texas Tech is your favorite by a point and a half. And Houston and Arizona, Arizona only favored by two and a half. What's, what's, are you surprised that Texas Tech is the favorite in the Texas Tech Duke game or that Arizona is such a small favorite over Houston West? Yeah, I'll go to the Texas Tech-Duke game first, and that answer to that question is no, because Texas Tech is the number one efficiency defense in the country. You saw it yesterday against Notre Dame. Texas Tech was not great offensively, and I credit Mike Bray, really good game plan. You know, he packed it in and said, okay, I'm going to force these guys to shoot threes. And Texas Tech, if you watch their first game on Friday against Montana State, they kind of emptied the barrel offensively. They shot way better from the three that they usually do. They were getting 360 donks. They were going up and down the floor. This is not a team that runs really a quick, like, adjusted tempo, and they scored 97. And so you knew some regression was coming at least for the next game. And then what do you see? Texas Tech 4-15 from the three. Didn't even reach one point per possession for the entire game. But somehow, some way, got by Notre Dame because of the defense. Because it's the best defense in the country. Mark Adams, like a lot of these Big 12 schools, a lot of these Big 12 schools have actually co uh, copied what he does. You know, we always talk about the NFL as a copycat league. Well, college basketball is a copycat sport because half the teams in the conference have gone to what Mark Adams runs with that no middle defense, you know, try and push everybody out side to side, try to push everybody out to the wings to take a bunch of threes. And then they're a very good rebounding team. Don't give up a lot of second chances to go ahead and do that. So not surprised in terms of Texas being the favorite. Mildly surprised that Houston is, uh, you know, is is the dog if you base the, on the metrics. Because all the metrics guys, all the Bartorbigs mm -hmm. and Ken Pomeroy and all these guys actually have Houston in the game. So I would not be surprised if this line drops. If you're going to see people go ahead and take Houston because, look, Arizona looked vulnerable. So betters like to bet what they see last, and they're going to say, okay, maybe this team is too young. Maybe they look vulnerable. They were on, you know, kind of quote-unquote death's door from being eliminated from the tournament by TCU last night. But 
I would still lean Arizona here, and I might bet them small on the money line because I do think Houston, while still very good, you know, is not the same team without Marcus Sasser and Traymond Mark. I think that's been covered up a little bit by the metrics guys because of the conference they play in, in the American Athletic Conference, where there was such a gap between them, Memphis, SMU, and then everybody else. So Houston beat up kind of on some weaker programs and weaker teams, and I think that's inflated their metrics a little bit. And also, when you get a team like Arizona, they get their scare the game before. Yeah. You see a lot of refocus more often than not in the next round. It's so true. The NCAA tournament through the decades, littered with you know eventual champions that had the quote-unquote scare earlier in that tournament that goes all you know all the way back uh, as far as i can remember even in 83 with the great jim valvano nc state you know cinderella team they had their scare as well i think it was a double or triple overtime game they had to get through but it's happened uh, so many times just one last thing before we go here and, and i just want to make this point because people are saying hey if gonzaga plays like they played in the second half there no one's going to beat them you know what if, if duke plays like they did the last five minutes of that game against michigan state i don't know man that's pretty damn good as a as an a game also so just don't want any everybody to dismiss them because they're uh, so hateable. If you know what I mean, Wes. Wes, appreciate it as always, man. Thank you so much. You got it, Gil. Thanks for having me. The great Wes Reynolds at Wes Reynolds One Championship Formula Update next. Numbers Game Visa, the Sports Betting Network. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. A numbers game with Gil Alexander on v the sports betting network. All the action you need is at BetMGM. Sign up now using bonus code VSIN1000 and your first wager is risk-free up to $1,000. When you register with BetMGM, you also get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, rather player props, and daily boosted odds specials. Plus, you'll earn BetMGM rewards points that you can redeem for room nights and dining at MGM resorts nationwide. Simply download the BetMGM app today or go to BetMGM.com and enter bonus code VSIN1000. 
1000 to make your first wager risk-free up to $1,000. Eligibility restrictions apply. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. 21 years of age or older to wager. New customer offer. All promotions subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable free bets or site credit. Free bets expire seven days from issuance. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in the state of Nevada. We get tweets at Beating the Book. This is from uh, Steve54300869. Actually jumped in on Rafa after learning that Fritz tweaked his ankle in the morning warm-up. Uh, that came back to bite me. Gritty performance by Fritz. Actually, uh, Fritz hurt his ankle the previous match in the semifinal. Got through that. And so the whole thing Sunday morning was uh, people didn't even know if Fritz was going to be able to go in that match against Rafa. And then once the match started, it became clear that Rafa had more of the physical ailments, not only the foot that has been ailing him, but also a chest-tightening thing that he had to keep getting stretched out. I think he had to get it stretched in the semi as well. Um, but good on Taylor Fritz and good on, uh, good on everybody who had the 80-1. to one. That's phenomenal. Rich, a PSM. Survivor in college basketball. You have to value coaching very high. All SEC coaches were dynamite. Even dogs should be used or small favorites. Houston was the best choice yesterday, not even close, then Villanova in Miami. Rich, with all due respect, let me just say this about Survivor. You can, you can re-engineer anything looking back, but what is clear is that, first of all, you have to know the rules of your tournament. And if you are in, again, seeding aggregate tiebreaker Survivor pools where you are incentivized to take long shots, there's no point in doing anything else. So in other words, you have to be okay to crap out that way. You have to be. And if you're not okay doing that, my suggestion would be is that you're playing it wrong. Now, this is the difference, I think, for 90% of gamblers and maybe even 95% and the other 5%. Most people don't get that in these kind of things. By the way, same thing with the DraftKings betting championship that Matt Brown and I did together years ago. Like, if you weren't willing to risk all and crap out, you've got no shot of winning. So, now, there's about, you know, again, as I said, 17% roughly of, of survivor pools left for, for folks, if you're even in one of those. Some of them, as, as a gentleman just wrote earlier is, you know, they're done already. Here's another one from uh, C.D. Bradley. Did my first survivor pool this year, 25 entries, no rebuys. I'm one of two left after four days. <laughs> Good for you, C.D. But essentially what you have to know in these things is the, stra- the strategic quirks. And if somebody is still alive now versus people who are out, the notion that those people played it better, nah, let it play out more. Because you'll see that they, th- they didn't play to win. There are a few at the top. They played it to win, and they got through it. And those people are going to be the ones that win it. But it's, it's a fascinating sort of and, and a great reflection of the difference between people who are thinking through their betting and people who are not. Um, anyway, I appreciate all the tweets at beating the book. Let's do some championship formula, Jeffrey. We've done it every Monday since conference tournament weeks. And again, the six criteria. This is tried and true through the years, with the caveat being, once again, that teams can still play their way in to the parameters of the six criterion during the tournament itself in some of these categories. So again, it comes of it, two of the categories are it have to do with Ken Palm. You can still play your way in. Now, there are 16 teams left. How many apply to the championship formula? How many don't? We'll get to that once we we'll, once we read the six criteria and they are 
as follows. First of all, the team has had to have had more assists than turnovers. That's criteria number one. That's been the case with the last 33 champions. 33, the last 33 eventual champions have had more assists than turnovers. 27 of the last 28 champions had a head coach going into the tournament with Sweet 16 experience. Again, the only exception, the 2014 UConn Huskies coached by Kevin Ollie. 27 of the last 28 champs went into the tournament with at least three wins versus teams in the top 10% of RPI. RPI antiquated, but we've been doing this for so long, we still use it for that category. The last 28 champs, by the way, again, the only exception, the UConn Huskies of 2014. The last 28 champs had a top 75 strength of schedule. Remember that. Top 75 strength of schedule. That still gets drawn out into the tournament. 17 of the last 18 champs were in the top 20 in adjusted offensive efficiency at Ken Palm. Once again, only the 2014 UConn Huskies led by Shabazz Napier, Kevin Ali, the head coach. They were the only exception. And finally, 17 of the last 18 champs were in the top 20 in adjusted defensive efficiency when all was said and done at Ken Bomb. The only exception, last year's Baylor Bears, who ended up 22nd in adjusted defensive efficiency. So essentially, they were knocking at the door, but they didn't quite get there, but they still managed to win the national title. Okay, so Jeff, there's 16 teams left. 12 according to the formula, have no shot whatsoever. The 12 that have no shot whatsoever are, and let's just start with Arizona, because they don't have a coach that has Sweet 16 experience. His first Sweet 16 game will be this weekend. That's Tommy Lloyd, who, may I just say, I thought Tommy Lloyd was pretty bad as a coach last night in that game against TCU. He looked more cheerleader than coach at some points. So Arizona according to the championship formula, does not have a shot because Tommy Lloyd has no Sweet 16 experience. Houston has no shot for a couple reasons, strength of schedule being one of them. The other one being they didn't beat three teams in the top 10% of RPI this year. A lot of that based on their conference. So Houston, according to the formula, has no shot at it. Those are two right off the top. The other teams that have no shot Providence, which isn't particularly close, well, they're 32nd in adjusted offensive efficiency, but they're not close at all in adjusted defensive efficiency, so Providence has no shot. Texas Tech is 46th in adjusted offensive efficiency. Arkansas is 53rd. Remember, you have to be in the top 20 in adjusted offensive efficiency at Ken Palm. Iowa State, 156. St. Peter's, 225. We could do a whole thing on St. Peter's where they rank on all kinds of categories. Duke 42nd in adjusted defensive efficiency. Sorry, Duke. Not according to the championship formula. You can't win. Carolina 43rd in adjusted defensive efficiency. Michigan 77th. Purdue 86th. Miami 123rd. So there are so that leaves four teams. And of the four teams, one of the four, I don't know if they can play their way in. Because Villanova is still. Villanova's still 30th in adjusted defensive efficiency, and I don't know that in four games they can get there. Yes, Jeff? Quick question on mm-hmm. Houston. Mm-hmm. Couldn't they technically play themselves in over the next four still? Well, the top 10% of RPI was was during the regular season. So that, so that eliminates them completely. Well, they're not going to get there on schedule either, I okay. don't think, because they're still in the 80s. So something to monitor. I, I understand your point. Something to monitor there, Houston, but I don't think they can get in based on it. And Villanova 30th in adjusted defensive efficiency, which leaves three teams, only one of whom 
currently applies. The second of which, which we've been talking about, has been knocking at the door every time we've done this, is literally not only knocking at the door, but the door just became slightly ajar. And then the third one, I think they could still play their way in. The team that could still play their way in, Kansas, 26th in adjusted defensive efficiency. Maybe they could play their way in. The team that is knocking at the door and is really the door is ajar now, the only thing preventing Gonzaga from, from applying, you have to be in the top 75 strength of schedule. They're 76th, and they will get there based on this next weekend. And the only team that applies, UCLA. UCLA has, been the, has, has applied every single week that we've done this. No one talks about them that much. Got to the Final Four last year. Lost on the Jalen Suggs bank to close the semifinal game. So it's UCLA applying now. Gonzaga might as well already apply. And then I think the only team that can play their way in would be Kansas. That's what the championship formula comes up with. So we'll see. Now, intuitively, do you think Arizona can get there with, with Tommy Lloyd? Yeah, but we'll discuss it when we have a little more time later in the show. Even though I have bashed Houston at times on this, uh, thinking that they're the most overrated team according to the metrics that we've ever seen, they will have one ginormous advantage on Thursday night in San Antonio, and that is Kelvin Sampson is way better than Tommy Lloyd. Yeah. Kelvin Sampson, the guy said this to you during the break, the two best coaches left in this tournament are both in that South region, Jay Wright and Kelvin Sampson. Arizona might have to beat both of them. It's a great point. Todd Wishnev joins us next in game strategies and thoughts on the bracket moving forward. It's next on the numbers game at Visa, the sports betting network. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer, Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss playing dirty sports scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 